So last month, uh, if you could throw up the first slide there, uh, Wilson, that'd be great. Last month, uh, we uh, started this series of messages. Pastor Andy kicked off this series for us. Last year, if you'll recall, we came back at different times throughout the year to a series titled Dwell on the Book of John that we talked uh, through last year. Uh, this year, we're doing it's the same kind of idea, but we're going to do a series of messages on uh, the book of Acts. So this, the, the, the uh, series is titled The Church, A Study of Acts. Pretty, pretty simple, straightforward. Last time, Pastor Andy spoke from Acts chapter 17, verses 10 to 34. And today, we're going to talk from Acts chapter 18, verses 1 to 23. So this year, I felt like we needed to do something similar. So as we work through some passages last October, I don't know if you remember Givetober last year. Excuse me. Uh, and we, we taught through the book of Acts, and I really felt like we needed to share from the book of Acts throughout this year. So that's, that's kind of what we're doing. So again, Pastor Andy kicked us off, but uh, we're going to keep going uh, today. We're going to go a little deeper here. So our scripture passage, Acts chapter 18, verse 1. Uh, let's read. Uh, I'll, I'll read it. You can read along. The words are on the screen. Now, how did I do, everyone, today? A little better? Okay. Man, people have been really holding me accountable to the slides lately. I've been, I've been feeling the heat. I feel like a, a superstar athlete that's a little off my game, and it's just uh, everyone's on my back. All right, here we go. Uh, Acts chapter 18. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. And he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome, and he went to see them. And because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked for they were tent makers by trade. So this is where we find out that Paul was a tent maker. He refers to it in, other, in another spot in Scripture. I'm forgetting where. But uh, this is where we, we, you know, people say, you know, super religious people. Pastor, I just want to be a tent maker. Anyways, I, this is where it comes from. If you hear anyone say that, that's where, that's where they read it from. Uh, and he, uh, sorry, that was, a, that was a mean joke to some people. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath, this is Paul, and tried to persuade Jews and Greeks. Um, verse 5, when Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, Paul was occupied with the word testifying to the Jews that the Christ was, uh, that the Christ was Jesus. And when they opposed and reviled him, he shook out his garments and said to them, I feel like he was kind of angry. But anyways, he said, your blood be on your... I feel like it's very dramatic. Your blood be on your own hands. Your blood be on your own heads. I'm innocent. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. And he left there and went to the house of a man named uh, Tedius, uh, Justus, a worshiper of God. His house was next door to the synagogue. Uh, Verse 8, Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed in the Lord together with his entire household. And many of the Corinthians, hearing Paul, believed and were baptized. And the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision. So this is uh, God speaking. Uh, Some people think it's Jesus speaking, but we'll just call it the Lord, as it says. Do not be afraid, but go on speaking and do not be silent, for I am with you. And no one will attack you to harm you, for I have many in this city who are my people. Verse 11, and he stayed a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. But when Gallio was uh, proconsul of Achaia, I think, uh, the Jews made a united attack on Paul and brought him before the tribunal. Verse 13, saying, This man is persuading people to worship God contrary to the law. But when Paul was about to open his mouth, Galileo said to the Jews, if, I, if it were a matter of wrongdoing or vicious crime, O Jews, I would have reason to accept your complaint. 
But since it is a matter of questions about words and names and your own law, see to it yourselves. I refuse to be a judge of these things. Verse 16, and he drove them from the tribunal, and they all seethed, uh, they all seethed uh, Sothenus, man, my Greek is getting tested with these names, the ruler of the synagogue, and beat him in front of the tribunal. But Gallio paid no attention to any of this. After this, Paul stayed many days longer and then took leave of the brothers and set sail for Syria, and with him Priscilla and Aquila. At Sencre, uh, he had cut his hair, for he was under a vow. And they came to Ephesus, and he left them there, but he himself went into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. Uh, I think it's the Nazarite vow, if I get it correctly. I, I may be wrong on that, but that's what a lot of people think Paul was talking about there. He, was, he, had, he had made a vow as a spiritual person, a priest, and he was following through with that. Okay, uh, verse 19, they came to Ephesus, and he left them there, but he himself went into the synagogue and reason with the Jews. Verse 20, when they asked him to stay for a longer period, he declined. But on taking leave of them, he said, I will return to you if God wills. And he set sail for Ephesus. When he had landed at Caesarea, he went up and greeted the church and then went down to Antioch. Uh, verse 23, after spending some time there, he departed and went from one place to the next through the region of Galatia and Phy Phrygia, strengthening all the disciples. Okay, there we go. Now, uh, I, I hope I didn't lose people as much as possible, uh, but I wanted to give as much context as I could with our brains remembering uh, all of that. So obviously, this is a longer passage, but I'm going to split it into a few parts today. We're not going to talk through every verse, but I'm just going to split it into a few parts that I want to emphasize. As our missions team has arrived back home after uh, one week in Cuba, I'm reminded of the first time I went on a missions trip and... Uh, I think Pastor Andy's brother was with me on my first ever missions trip, if I remember correctly. He would know better than me, Pastor Andy. Anyways, one of the things I remember uh, reflecting on that, uh, and I learned back then, was how the book of Acts, so we go in our Bible, the book of Acts out of the Bible, I remembered how uh, it gives us, the book of Acts gives us a framework for missions, of course, and the church. Really, that's what it's one of the things that it does. It gives us a lot of theology as well. But the book of Acts gives us a framework for missions as well as the church. When we look at our church or churches, when we look at our church specifically or churches in our province or churches in our country, we obviously see differences with the church we know in 2024 than the church in the book of Acts. I don't think we would disagree on that, even if we all have different opinions. We can see that oh, it doesn't quite look like that. And uh, that's okay. I understand that. Uh, over the years, I've made fun of churches, and I feel like I need to have a little bit of a repenting moment here. Uh, but over the years, you know, I've made fun. You've heard me do it. Uh, I've made fun of churches that argue over the carpet color and the flags in the rafters, uh, the debate over wooden pews or chairs, the debate. This is one that still people get a little excited about. Well, they get excited about all of that. But uh, there's the debate about singing hymns from hundreds of years ago. Uh, or singing the, the songs, the courses that are written today by these mega churches around the world. You know, we get into these arguments, and the truth is, all of these things that we kind of debate and argue, or, you know, some people are frothing at the mouth a little bit. It's like, whoa, crazy person. Um, all these things, the truth is, they are utterly irrelevant when it comes to God's kingdom. No one gets saved because you sing hymns. No one gets saved because you sing new songs. 
No one gets saved because the carpet's blue instead of brown. It's irrelevant. Well, pastor, that flag has hung in the back of the church for 100 years. Who cares? Like, seriously. Like we, and, and we get upset about this. We, we think, that flag was there when my parents got married. It's okay. Like, don't worry about it. I, if I was the pastor of the flag church, I'd say, here's the flag. Put it in your house, and you can look at it and remember your parents' wedding. It's beautiful. Man, okay, good for you. Anyways, the truth is we argue over these things, and I, I hope that we can agree on this. It's basically a theological position that it's irrelevant. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I was laughing. Um, I was, it was kind of like, it was one of my moments. I was kind of like an old man laugh recently. And it's because there's this song, and many of you know this song. It's not like it's, anyways, we'll just leave it at that. Many of you know this song. And it was being sung at a college conference uh, at the beginning of this new year. It's, uh, you know, I think there was like 60,000 college students at this event. So it was tons of people, right? And they're singing this song. And it, it went viral, this song and the, all these college kids singing it. You've probably even seen it online. And it's, it's, it's actually a holy moment, so I don't want to, like, make fun of it. It was an amazing, few, I've watched the video, it's, it's totally amazing. But it made me laugh because this song is actually getting kind of old now. It, it was, came out when I was a little baby. Like, it was getting kind of old now. And, uh, I, but the truth is, on this side of heaven, I actually think this song, we've sung it before, but I actually think this, this song is kind of closest to what we will actually experience in heaven when we're there, after we pass from this life into eternity. Uh, and the words of the song are simple, and they're from the book of Revelation. It's, holy, holy are you, Lord God Almighty. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. And I love it because when these students were singing this song, they were actually acting, even the worship leaders, like the worship leaders are kind of like those like celebrity worship leaders. Like they have the, the Instagram pages with the, the beautiful photos. And like they're, they're crying in the perfect moment of the song in the video they post. Like it's like these like epic things. And, but I was laughing because and, and I was like, this is actually how God works. They were actually on their knees in front of these tens of thousands of people. Because it's like, yeah, when you show up in God's presence, you can't be like, oh, look at my tears. Look, look at my jacket. My perfectly aligned jacket. And the, the girls wear these big pants these days. I don't know if you've noticed, but they can like go, they, go, they, they just like, they stand there. And I'm like, man, anyways, but they were, they were all, I'm sorry, I'm making fun of these young girls. I shouldn't do that. That's part of my old man syndrome now. Anyways, and so, but they were actually kneeling down. And I'm like, I loved it because I'm like, that's what happens when we get in God's presence. You've heard me before. It's like, oh, I just want to look at the face of Jesus. If you do, we can never look at you again. Seriously, that's what happened to Moses. He saw the face of God. We know what he had to wear a, a blanket over his face the rest of his life. That's what happens. His the, the the glory and majesty of God is so powerful that we can't actually look. We actually just fall face down before him. The book of Acts gives us a framework to this day of what the church should be. I was thinking of this. Someone may say, Well, Pastor. Our church isn't, we, you know, we're kind of, maybe we're kind of like the book, the church in the book of Acts, but, you know, there's some differences, Pastor. What, what are we going to do about it? Well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray. You know what I've learned recently? Uh, I, I know since I, I've been pastor here for, well, however many years it's been, we've been praying maybe a bit more or differently than we did before that. But the truth is, 
uh, you can be a church that doesn't pray. So that's not us. We pray, right? You can be a church that prays. So that's, that's us, I think. We're a church that prays. But here's where we need to go. We need to be a church of prayer. There's a difference between a church that prays and a church of prayer. And I want you to kind of to sink, sink that deep within you, that we would become a people that, that are a church of prayer. So let's set up where Paul is. Let's backtrack. I'm, I'm going off a little bit here. Uh, so we see what in the book of Acts we can recognize as we read what the church should look like. But let's set up where Paul is and what he is doing. Uh, thank you, Wilson. Just leave that slide up there for a few moments. Uh, so this is what's happening in Paul's life as this chapter of Acts 18 it kind of unfolds as I read it. So Corinth was the capital of the Roman province Achaia and a major seaport. So when you read of Corinth, uh, the, 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 the geographical location, this was a major seaport of the day. And I've got a photo of uh, the area on the screen if you can see it and it's on, on online so people can see it there. Uh, so the Pontus, which we read about, is a region of northern Asia Minor. So that's modern-day Turkey. If you're wondering where Pontus is, that's modern-day Turkey. It's near the Black Sea. Uh, it's a strategic, this, this area is a strategic location on an isthmus, I think I said that right, it's, that means a narrow strip of land. All right, I'd look it up. Uh, between the mainland of Greece and the Peloponnesian Peninsula. And so this region brought economic prosperity and a diverse set of cultures and practices. So this is something that we can identify with in our own country today, that there's a economic prosperity and there's a diverse set of cultures and practices. Even among the Gentiles, who are the non-Jewish people, Corinth was known for its immorality. And we can see that in Paul's writings uh, to the Corinthians, that there was immorality amongst them. So that just gives you a bit of backdrop on the text and where Paul is in this moment. So here's our first thought for today. Good news all the time. Can you say that with me? Good news all the time. Hey, so good. To many of us, uh, too many of us, excuse me, operate in the gifts of the spirit of grumpiness. Let me say it again. Too many of us operate in the gift of the spirit of grumpiness. I feel like it's only a spiritual gift in Canada. I, I just feel that way. You were in Cuba last week. Was there grumpy people in Cuba? Thank you. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's something about Canadians. We just, like, maybe we drink too much coffee or something. We just get grumpy after a while. I don't know what it is. I, it's like we feel like we are... And I'm being serious now. It's like we feel like we're, we're being prideful or arrogant or, or there's something else wrong with us if we just walk in the truth that we have good news to share all the time. If we just walk in that truth, I've got good news to share all the time. If you, if you work with someone that's happy all the time, eventually, I've actually said this. I, I thought, what's wrong with them? They're happy all the time. You know, maybe I, I may think, are they on drugs? Are they taking something I don't know about? You know, do they eat too many Smarties? Like, what is it? You know, but the truth is, that's actually how we're supposed to operate. I, I, I'll never forget this one pastor I worked for for a couple years. He, he, no one had a greater impact on my life. And his wife is the sweetest woman I've ever met. Sweetest. And at first, when I first met her, I thought, she's faking it. That's what I thought. I said, no one can be that nice. 
And she would, every time I'd see her, she'd say, oh, Jason, it's so good to see you. And I thought, oh, you're, you're just, you're tricking me again. So after a couple months of this, I thought, man, she's good. She's been tricking me every week. Every week, just the nicest lady ever. And after a few more months, I thought, I, I think I got this wrong. I'm usually pretty good at reading people, but I realized I got this wrong. No, she's just like the nicest person ever, ever. It's just the way it is. And then, you know, people would think, well, she, she does, she's nice, but like maybe she's just a bit clueless. No, no. She knows exactly what's going on. She's just that nice. And it's because of Jesus in her life. It, it, you know, we can be people where we are bringers of good news all the time. Now, that doesn't mean that you're just happy all the time, but that you bring good news wherever you go, and it can happen all the time. That's what Paul is bringing up. Paul was a bit more aggressive than many of us, but it's okay to have good news. Did you know that? It's okay to have good news. Uh, the Leafs have won the, the, the most consecutive games in 23 years. I've got some good news. The Leafs are on a roll, right? I can't, I haven't taken 23 years for me to say it, but it's true. It's okay to have good news. It's okay to walk in good news all the time. Verse 5 in our text, and I want to kind of hang out here for a bit. Uh, so it, it won't last. Oh, man. You know, I've been nice to the Habs fans. I let someone with a Habs jersey on the intro video, and I haven't changed it. I haven't superimposed another. Uh, I'm going to put my Leaf jersey on, and we're going to change it for next Sunday. All right? I don't care if they win or lose. That's what I'm doing. All right. And I'm going to go like this. I'm going to have a sign, I got you, Richard. Okay. We'll leave it at that. All right. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Oh, man. It's good. Uh, so verse 5 in our text says that, uh, Paul was occupied with the words. If you look at Acts chapter 18, verse 5, it says Paul was occupied with the word. I actually, I love that word, and uh, it just really hit me. If we just hold on to that for a moment, what does that mean? What does that phrase occupy? When Paul said he was occupied with the word, what does it mean? Well, the text says in the next part that Paul was uh, occupied with the word, testifying to the Jews that Christ was Jesus, that Jesus was the Christ. I've had a number of people in my life over the years that I've crossed paths with say to me about any topic in life, any topic. People will say to me, I don't care what people think about what I believe. That's what they say. Or they'll say, I'm too old to worry about how people feel about me. Have you heard stuff like that before? Well, it's okay. If, if that's what we say, fine. It's kind of like they do it with a growl. Have you noticed that? People that say those things? I don't care what people think. Right? That's how they kind of act. Uh, it's okay. If you feel that way, if that's you, then you have no reason not to tell people about Jesus. If you don't care what people think, well, what's stopping you from telling people about Jesus? Seriously. What's, what's stopping you? Well, pastor, I don't care what people think about me. That's why I'm all alone. I'm like, okay, cool. Well, then tell somebody about Jesus. Because the truth is, Jesus is good news all the time. So when we see in our text, Paul was occupied. There's a, there's a sense of he was living in that truth, that, uh, that Jesus is good news all the time. In the New King James Version of the same passage, it says, uh, when Silas and Timothy had come from Macedonia, Paul was compelled by the spirit 
So that's another way to translate it. Compelled by the Spirit. So instead of saying occupied, the text says compelled by the Spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus is the Christ. Church, we need to see some people being occupied by the Holy Spirit. We need to see some people compelled by the Holy Spirit to teach and preach and speak about good news that Jesus is alive. The time of uh, the time is long ago ended for complacency and being committed to other uh, tasks and responsibilities. We are all called to different things, but what is God calling you to? Think about it. what is he calling me to? Well, we are called to give good news to the brokenhearted, to the captive. Maybe you need to go on an adventure and find the person or the people you're supposed to minister to. Maybe God has targeted people in your life that he's leading you to minister to, to teach to, to instruct to, whatever that is. Uh, Maybe you need to open your mouth to speak to someone that God has placed into your life. Some of us, you maybe are a bit like me in a way where you're, you're too silent to speak. Even one on one, it's a struggle, right? Well, some of us, we just need to open our mouth. Some of us, like I say, we need to close the mouth. But like some of us need to open our mouths and just declare that good news that Jesus is alive. Just like the Apostle Paul, it's our responsibility to share the good news with someone around you that Jesus is alive. I was thinking of, I don't know if this applies to anyone here, but I've met folks like this over the years. I was thinking about, you know, sometimes, (laughs) you know, wives can be tricky. We talked about spouses last week. You know, wives can be tricky sometimes. You got to be careful. You gotta be careful. I was thinking about married men uh, this week, just in a general sense. And you know, some people have mentioned to me over the years that they don't remember who told them about Jesus. All they can remember is that one day their girlfriend or their wife had them in church somehow, and the rest is history. I don't care how you found Jesus, it's time for there to be singing in the streets. That Jesus is alive. I don't care how you find him. I, 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 that is irrelevant. That's another irrelevant thing. I just care that we find Jesus. Jesus is good news all the time. All right, let's go to our next, next one uh, today. Do not be silent. In our text, we have the Lord speak directly to Paul. So we have good news all the time, then we have do not be silent. Uh, in, I forget where this verse is. Oh, it's verse 9 in our passage. It says, do not be afraid, but go on speaking and do not be silent. Do not be afraid, but go on speaking and do not be silent. For I am with you and no one will attack you to harm you. For I have many in the city who are my people. That's God speaking. Do you know what the enemy makes you and I believe to this day? That we're alone. That's all he wants you to believe. There's no one else. It's just you. Do not be afraid, but go on speaking, and do not be silent. For I am with you, and no one will attack you to harm you. For I have many in this city who are my people. Did you know that in Little Kern and Espanola, wherever you're watching from home, there are many people who believe in God. There are. You may not know them. They may not be up front or whatever, you know, whatever. But there are many people. Many people. Paul had met opposition from the local Jews. Have you ever been opposed by a religious person? I have. Quite regularly, actually. (laughs) The truth is, Paul had met opposition from the local Jews. 
The Lord speaks a word of encouragement to Paul that obviously speaks to us today, but is also a reminder that the Lord is with us and that we are not to be silent. It's okay to speak. It's okay. Now, I'm going I'm to turn around in case I get you going. It's okay to speak, but you don't have to go stand on a street corner and honk and have your billboards. You don't have to go on Facebook and think, I'm going to get them this time. It's my day. I'm going to get them. Uh, we, some of us need to, like I said before, we need to check ourselves before we wreck ourselves. That's an old rap lyric in case you're wondering, but it applies to the church today. The Lord speaks a word of encouragement that obviously speaks to us today to Paul in our text, but is also a reminder that the Lord is with us and that we are not to be silent. One commentator said this, It is just like our Lord to speak to us when we need him the most. His tender, fear not, can calm the storm in our hearts, regardless of the circumstances around us. This is the way he assured Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, as well as Jehoshaphat, Daniel, Mary, and Peter, the next time you feel alone and defeated, meditate on Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, and Isaiah 41, verse 10. And claim by faith the presence of the Lord. He is with you. This is what Hebrews 13, 5 says. Keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have. For he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Isaiah 41, verse 10 says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Another commentator said, There had been culture shock in Athens, and now Paul experienced moral shock in Corinth. Its sweat and perfume and grit smothered Paul's righteous soul, and he became depressed. You know, when we get down, we need to abide in God's word to lift us back up. You know, if you're discouraged today, I don't know what your circumstances, what you've been through, but be encouraged. Be encouraged. Isaiah 41, 10, fear not for I am with you. Be not dismayed. It's okay to be encouraged by the word of God. The solution to Paul's fear in this moment in Acts 18, verse 9 through 10, and ours to this day is to obey what the voice of the Lord is calling you to do. What is he calling you to do? You know, I believe God is calling some of us to chill out a little bit. We're a little hyper. Some of us are a little hyper. You know what the flip side to that is? I believe, this is what I've been kind of processing, so maybe it's just me, but I believe he's calling some of us to slow down a little bit. We're going too fast and we can't hear his voice. So we need to slow down a little bit. You've heard me say it before. There is such power and anointing in God's people simply being obedient. What is God calling you to today? Just ask him. He may say, go to the golden arches for lunch. And you say, thank you, Lord, I will. Maybe he says, take a nap. Maybe he says, quiet your soul. Maybe he says, uh, take your wife out for dinner tonight. Not to the Golden Arches. <laughs> I want to encourage us today to keep getting God's word out. Don't be discouraged. The great encourager, our Father in Heaven, wants to encourage us today. The Lord didn't tell Paul there wouldn't be opposition. He said that no one would attack or hurt him. 
Did you know that when you stand up for something, eventually you'll get attacked? Eventually. But God's promise, or the, the, I shouldn't say attacked, eventually we'll see opposition. But God promised Paul, and the promise is true for us, that no one would attack or hurt him. We can hold on to that. That God's got me under control. He's got me under his hand for protection. I want to encourage us in life and for our church to walk in the victory that Jesus has already accomplished. Do you know that so often we walk in, we're just, we just walk in stuff that's not Christ-like. He's won the victory. He defeated hell in the grave. It's done. We don't need to battle it. It's done. Every time the enemy throws something your way, and I trust, he will, don't worry. If he hasn't done it yet, he's going to do it. Every time he throws something your way, you can just smack it with the bat and say, don't worry, God's already won the victory. It's as simple as that. Worship team, would you make your way up? God's work continues. I want you to remember this. He's never done until he returns. So we have good news all the time. Do not be silent, and God's work continues. Acts 18, verse 9 uh, to 21 says this from our text. And they came to Ephesus, and he left them there, but he himself went into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. When they asked him to stay for a longer period, he declined. But on taking leave of them, he said, I will return to you if God wills. And he set sail from Ephesus. Many of us debate God's timing in our lives. Let me say it again. Many of us debate God's timing in our lives. To me, it's kind of like a baseball player. Spring training really got underway the last couple days. It's like a baseball player. snowing right now, so it doesn't feel like spring here. But uh, It's like a baseball player taking a lead off of first base or second base and waiting for the moment to run and steal the next bag. We think, so I've heard some of you have, 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 have done this uh, in real time with me over the years, we think, is God saying, go now? And we say, oh, no. And then we come back, is God saying, go now? And we, no, we take a step back, no, no. Is he saying now? And then we, oh, no, no, no. We actually dizzy ourselves from prepping to respond to God and then actually bailing on him. One commentator wrote, God has a special timing for everyone, everything in our lives. Did you know that? God has a special timing for everything in our lives. If Paul could have discerned it, the Holy Spirit was really saying in our text that I just read, the Holy Spirit was saying, wait. Wait. When he wanted to go to Ephesus instead of no, the Holy Spirit was saying wait. Sometimes God says wait, and he always knows what he's doing when he says it. Isn't that a great truth? Sometimes he says, wait, and he always knows what he's doing when he says it. We just need to wait for the Lord. I can assure you, sometimes we will wait a long time for the Lord. Right? Man, we're, like, Pastor, you have no idea. I've been waiting for decades. Yeah, I hear you. You're right. It's a long time. And I can also assure you that sometimes the Lord moves quickly. So we need to find that balance of being patient, but also being ready to go when he responds to what we're asking him and what we're waiting to hear back. So as we reflect on today, church, it's okay. We've got good news all the time. We've got good news all the time. 
Church, do not be silent. Do not be silent. And finally, God's work continues. Even if we're waiting, God's work continues. And He will come at just the right time. That's what He's promised us. Each time when we come to the, uh, back to the book of Acts throughout this year, I want our messages to serve as encouragement and motivation. I don't want it to be like, oh man, I'm, I really suck at this right now. Ugh. I want it to serve, it needs to serve as encouragement and motivation that we would walk in our faith like the early church did. It's okay, it's possible to live our lives just as the book of Acts directs us. Faith like the early church uh, is, is, is possible. Don't think like, well, that happened a couple thousand years ago and I think you're a bit late there, Pastor. It's okay. <laughs> The same things can happen today. That we would expect God to use us greatly in our places and circumstances. God, uh, let me just encourage you today. God will use you wherever you are. The place you work, the place you live, in every one of your circumstances. God will use you. He will. He'll use you to bring glory to his name. Uh, I'd like us to stand up and we're going to pray and then the worship team is going to lead us in a final song. So God, we just thank you for today. Lord, I think, you know what, Lord, I, I just feel like the book of Acts this year is just an opportunity for us just to, just to, it's like our back getting cracked and put back into the proper spot. It's kind of gross, but God, I just feel like that's just an op- is opportunity for us as a church just to kind of snap back into where we're supposed to be, into what you're calling us into and to do. Lord Jesus, there is good news for every single person out there. Lord, you have a plan for every single one of our lives. There's not one of us that is too far from you. I don't care what our lifestyle is, what we believe, what we say, what we've done, what we've experienced. You completely wash every sin from our life with your blood and you've made us clean. Every single one of us. So God, I just pray that as we just just as we did in January, we've done in February, we're going to do again in the, the next month or so. When we come back to the book of Acts, Lord, that we would just be revitalized and that we would shift, take a moment to shift back into uh, what you're doing. Shift our church to what it's supposed to be doing, where we're supposed to be heading. Lord, we spent time opening this new year in fasting and prayer. And God, that was to bring us into alignment with what you're doing. So God, I pray as we take these teachings from the book of Acts that we would once again come into alignment to what you're doing. Lord, I don't want to go down a path where you're not going, that you've not gone before us. Lord, we want to follow your leading, follow the way you would instruct us in these days. So God, I just thank you for today. I pray a blessing, Lord. We're on these, the people in our little current campus, right here in our Espanola campus, all the families represented here today lord i pray for your children and grandchildren that don't know you that are far from you lord i pray that they would uh that they would find you wherever they are today lord even in the most difficult dark circumstances 
God, I pray that they would find hope in the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who's come, who has died for them, and has risen, and is victorious today. So Jesus, we thank you. We give you praise today.